Good morning. Wow, I didn't want worship to end. That was so good. My glory to how in the world, how in the world do I go up there after that? But he... Give him the microphone. Come on up, Paul. Paul, here you go. This is Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in this holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessings from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Selah. And this is a script that the Lord drew me to before the whole the whole uh, chapter. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's close in prayer. <laughs> Is it <sighs> Luke? Sorry. Flashback. Let me pray. Father, we worship you and we God love you desperately. Lord, you heard our worship. You heard the declaration of your own word in Psalm 24. You know our hearts. We seek you. We seek you and we claim the promise that in seeking you will find you. None of us have come here to leave without you. To leave without being in your presence. To leave without growing a little closer in our relationship with you. In our understanding of what you desire for our lives. What you desire for your kingdom. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you stand there with open arms. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you saw before time was ever begun the love that you would have for your creation. The love that you would have for your people and those who would choose you. We give you our hands, our feet, 
Because you have said that that is what you have claimed us to be. We don't want to move on our own. I proclaim this and declare this as a church, as ignition. We desire only you. I ask that you fill my mouth with only your words. Your Holy Spirit has been here and has permeated this place. Fill my mouth with what you desire. Lord, I thank you for what you had highlighted to Paul and that you had him read. Because it's exactly what you laid on my heart this morning and during worship. We are a people set aside for you. And we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. During worship, I was speaking with the Lord, and he said to me, talking to you, he said, Oh, if they would only know what I have for them as they hold on. Man, if we can just get in the forefront of our mind what he has for us. And as much as the Bible tells us, it pales in comparison to what he shows us as we move toward him. As we grow in relationship with Him, He makes it alive. He makes it real. It goes from an intellectual experience into a relational experience. Wow. What He has for us, if we would just hold on. Just hold on. This morning when I was talking with Him, He took me to... Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to go there. Because, and you've heard it so many times. You've heard it said, we're close, we're close, we're close. We're close to what? We keep saying we're close. We're close to what? We're close to His victory. We're close to the promises that He has made His bride here on this earth. Not that we're all close to death and we're about to be in heaven. Not that we're all close to the rapture because that, that, that's imminent and, and let's just bow our head and prepare, you know, okay, Lord, I'm ready, take me up. No. No, there are some serious things that have to happen before that happens. And I'm not saying God can't do what he wants. But God speaks through his prophets and has. That's what these 66 books are about. And he has said there are certain things that he's doing. Literally to make Israel jealous. Romans 11.11. But one of those things is taking out a portion for himself. Those who would choose him as Savior build relationship with Him. He has made promises. In fact, you find it in the first, or in chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation. 
If you haven't studied the seven letters to the seven churches, I encourage you, dive into them. You could probably study those for the next three or four years straight and still not get everything out of those that you could. Every time I go back to them, there's something more. I've studied them for over 30 years. Peeling back a layer and it's like, okay, okay, Greg, you ready? You ready? Okay, here, let's peel it back and let me show you something new. That's what he has for us. That's what he does for us. But this, this one in particular, I believe this is what God is saying to his remnant right now. Let's go through it. Again, this is Revelation chapter 3. We're going to the church in Philadelphia. So we'll begin at verse 7. Now, by the way, just, just as some backstory here, just so you know, these were letters that were actually penned. The words came direct from Jesus Christ. Okay, these seven letters, that's why in, in your Bibles, if you have like a red letter edition, that's why you see this in red. Just like you do the Gospels where, where Jesus spoke. This is direct from him to his seven churches that he chose to send them to. He sent them, I find it interesting, to the spirit of those seven churches. Each church has a spirit, right, that, that perhaps fought. And, and when, I, when I say a spirit, an angel, perhaps they fought for that church. So don't think that it doesn't apply to you today because although those specific churches and certainly those people are no longer around after 2,000 years, the Spirit is. The Spirit is still in operation of what was promised to these churches, good and bad. Because if you read through here, there are many warnings that God gave, that Jesus gave the church. We're today to take these things, to ingest them, to understand them, because in most churches today, you find pieces of all seven. In fact, in us individually, you can look at this and you could say, okay, we could apply this to the church. What's more effective is to look at this and apply it to your life. Where are you? Where do you want to be in Jesus Christ? We're going to talk today about the church of Philadelphia because as the Lord was speaking to me this morning, this is the remnant. I won't say this is just ignition, although it is. But this is the remnant that God has set aside for this time in history. So verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. He put a clarifying statement of his authority right at the beginning. And he did that for each of the seven letters. Saying who he is and why he has the right to say what he's about to say. In this case, he clarified the fact that he has authority for a specific door. A door that only he can open. A door that only he can shut. 
And that's important to understand as we get into this letter. Because that door has been open for 2,000 years. And yet it's never been walked through as a bride. I'm not saying individuals haven't walked through it. I'm not saying individuals have not walked in the pattern of this letter because they have, many have. But never in 2,000 years has the bride as a whole, as a unified church, walked through this open door. And Jesus said, look, I got this open door for you. I got it open. It's staying open. And it's open for you. So let's go on. So he sets his authority in verse 7. Then he says in verse 8, I know your works, talking about the church in Philadelphia, but talking about those, I want you to take this individually. I want the remnant to recognize this is them. I know your works. Before, behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. We can stop right there and say, yep, that's us. (laughs) The church today has very little power. They try to claim power. But there's a power that Jesus promised that is on the other side of that open door. Do you understand? It's not something that we can manufacture here. It's not something that we can we could say, okay, well, I believe this is going to happen, so it's going to happen. It can only be achieved through two things. Relationship with Jesus Christ. And unity with others with relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a volume that God is waiting for. Or has been waiting for. Because certainly throughout these 2,000 years, there were people that walked in this way. That walked in the absolute belief and faith in what Jesus Christ wanted to do. Now you can fall back and say, well, it's the timing for this. And you're probably right. But the fact is, that door has not been walked through as a bride. And yet that door has been opened. He said, you have little power. You have little power. He is speaking, and you're going to see later in in the coming verses, He is speaking to the church right now. He is speaking to that remnant right now. I want you to get this, church. I want you to get it here. You've heard it many times. I want you to get it online. The churches in Nigeria, the churches in Pakistan, the churches in Kenya, the churches in India that listen to us. Get this. Because the remnant is all over the world. We talked about this yesterday in the gifts meeting. And, you know, I'm not one that sees patterns in the Word of God and automatically applies them. But I have a feeling this pattern applies. When we talk about the remnant, we talk about a very specific group of people that have not only accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, because even to be in the bride, you have to have done that. 
But a remnant is those who have sold out everything of this world, of who they are, and believed Him, desired Him, desired everything that He promises, everything that He has said, everything that encompasses Him. As the remnant, we just believe. It's our right. It's our right to go after Him. To go after Him in relationship. That's literally what He paid for on the cross. He paid for probably 98% of what we don't have right now. And yet it's been paid for. So there's been this open door. And for those who have little power, the church right now, the remnant church of Jesus Christ right now, those who have little power and yet have kept his word and not denied his name, have kept literally the faith of believing what he said. Not just, well, I I know the Ten Commandments and I follow them. Boy, if that's all you're doing in the word of God, you're missing 99% of the word of God because... The other 99% says to believe. It says, I want your faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, without faith, you can't even please me. We can't please him if we are not walking in faith and loving him in that faith. So literally what he is saying here when he says that we have kept his word and not denied his name, we have walked in that faith. And we just walk when everything around us says no, 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 no. And we said, but he said yes. And we just walk in that faith. And he said, there is my church who is doing that. And here's what I have for you. Verse 9. And I've I've read this verse to you guys so many times. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold. I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Man, in over 35 years of study and teaching, that verse never even popped out to me until about eight years ago. And I'm reading and I'm going through this, and and it's like the Lord just, boom, drops this hammer on me. And says, do you see what I have? Do you see what I have waiting for you? Do do you see what I have waiting for my bride? My bride is just barely skipping by. Because they don't understand my power. They don't understand that literally that door is open. That door is open for them. But they don't understand because they're not willing to be unified. They're not willing to set aside their life here on this earth, for a more important life. Literally bringing the kingdom of God here. That's what he's offering his church, and that's what he's saying here. He's saying, behold, for those of you who walk in that faith, and man, I'm telling you, this is what the Lord is saying right now, not 200 years from now, right now. In fact, if you don't get this now, you're going to miss out. Believe it or not, it's no skin off my nose. 
He's just telling me to tell you this. You believe it now. Because it may be that a short time from now when things start to happen, you will have lost the faith that you could have had. Are you losing salvation? No, of course not. Are you losing potential for intimacy with Him? Absolutely not. Because as long as you're breathing, He offers that intimacy to you. He offers you to build. But there's something significant about believing without the capability of making it it happen. That's what He's talking about when it says, you have believed, but yet have had no power. We have no power to make this happen. And yet our faith is the power that drives him to his yes. It's time. And it is time because that's happening. So what he promised, I, I want to look at this for a second because this is really extraordinary. And, and, and don't get confused when it's talking about Jews here. Remember, the, the Bible was written through a mind frame of the Jewish thought, thought process, right? Okay, this doesn't mean that all the other civilizations that were around at the time, which you don't see in the Word of God, we don't see anything about Asia, right? We, about China. We don't see anything about the Aztecs down in South America, Right? We don't see anything about them that were literally around at the time and way before. Don't think that it doesn't include them. It does. Don't think that it doesn't include us. Because, well, you know, we're not in the Middle East. We're not in Jerusalem. So that doesn't include us. We just get to read this cool thing that God wrote because He loves this people and, and it gets to be applied to them. Yay, yay, go God. No. It applies to you. It applies to me. It applies to us. And what he's talking about here, recognize that the seven churches were not written to Israel anyways. The seven churches were written to his bride. This was post-Jesus Christ dying on the cross. This was written to his bride. It says, Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, those who say they are Jews and are not but lie, First of all, let's look at who they are. I want you to go to Romans chapter 3, or chapter 2, sorry. Romans chapter 2 explains who he's talking about when he talks about a Jew. In that verse, verse 28 of Romans chapter 2 says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Well, wait a second. If you're born a Jew, you're a Jew. That kind of makes sense, right? I was born American. I'm an American, right? So, so is that what he's talking about? No, that's not clearly what he's talking about. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. He's starting to talk about what it means to be a real Jew, what it really means to be a believer is what he's talking about. But a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. Whew. He didn't say there, it's by the spirit, not by the knife. So he's not talking about physical versus spiritual. 
talking about the law. He's talking about the law versus relationship. His praise is not from man, but from God. So what it's saying here is a Jew is one who believes with his heart. Not one who is, has his card that says, hey, I'm a Jew. Or in this case, hey, I'm in the bride. I, I have my membership card right here that says I'm in the bride. No, that's not what a believer is. That may be a person going to heaven. But there's a difference between a person going to heaven and a believer. You could believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, and you can receive Him as Savior. That doesn't mean you believe everything He says. See, when it talks about the broad way and the narrow way, for, I don't know, 40 years or whatever, I got that wrong. Because it was always taught to me that, that the, the broad way was the world, and the narrow way was accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. And I'm thinking, man, there are millions that do that. That's, that's a pretty broad, narrow way. I mean, honestly, it's not near what he said. You know how it, it, it's like trying to fit a camel through, you know, through a, the eye of a needle. But see, that's not what the narrow way is. The narrow way is what he's talking about here. The narrow way is the belief inside of applying what he says and saying, I believe, I believe it. I believe it. No matter what, I believe it. That's the narrow way because that's the one, that is the way that only few will travel. Why? Because it's not offered to them? No. It's offered to them all. That's the amazing thing to me. How effective Satan has been in deception to get us to think that we're here on our own. That we're here just to kind of survive until all the things we get are in heaven. Hey, I got news for you. Do you know what heaven's real goal is? It's to be here. Wow. Wait a second. That kind of messes with my mind. We all want to go to heaven. Heaven wants to come here. If you don't believe me, go look at Revelation 21. Because it's going to happen. Jesus promised it. He said, now is the time for God to come and dwell with man. That's the promise. But see what's happening here back to Revelation chapter 3 is he's saying to those who have little power and yet have kept my word, have walked in my faith, I will make those who say that they're Christians or say that they believe, I'm going to make them recognize the difference. I'm going to make them recognize you Recognize what the love of Jesus Christ actually purchased. See, He didn't purchase for us to wallow through life. Now, by the way, He also didn't purchase for us to all drive Rolls Royces either. That you're kind of missing the point there. I, I, I get that you, you, you want to believe that He has everything good, and, and that's awesome. I mean, honestly, they're... Probably a couple dozen cars I'd rather have more than a Rolls anyways. But the truth is, the prize is not the things. The prize is not the stuff. 
The prize is Him. It's proximity to Him. Do you understand that? And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, I will make them come and bow before your feet. This is not something that's going to happen in heaven. This is going to happen here. This is going to happen in the next three years. You watch. You watch. It's going to happen in the next three years. Where they start to recognize the difference of the Holy Spirit falling on His remnant. And they're going to look and... Wow. I I mean, that's the chapter of Acts. How how in the world did that person get raised from the dead? I heard about that. I read about that. Jesus did that. What's going on? You watch at first. There's going to be claims of an antichrist. Lord warned me of that a long time ago. He said, Greg, be prepared. They're going to call you an antichrist. Guess what? They're probably going to call some of you antichrists too. That's okay. That's okay. They called Jesus Christ worse than that. And it didn't seem to faze him a bit. He moved forward. We'll move forward. Because we're not here to please the world. We're here to please him. We're here to live in communion with him. So he is going to begin to highlight his children, his remnant that follow him, that, that live that life with no power. Well, guess what? Guess what's on the other side of that doorway? Power. Power. Power from the Holy Spirit falling in a measure that has not been seen before on this earth. And can you imagine a greater measure than Acts chapter 2? I mean, think about it. That's, That's pretty amazing to think about, and yet that's exactly what Jesus Christ promised. He said, I will do more. Or he said, my people will do more. You will do more than I ever did. And yet we, we read, we read about Jesus' life. He would go into a city and everybody would be healed. You know, not one here, one there, a couple here, a couple there. I, I don't even understand. Can you imagine walking into New York City? Just walking in there and the entire city being healed. I don't even know how that works. I mean, the Bible gives us a glimpse. Do you know people were healed by just being in Peter's shadow? That was a glimpse from Acts chapter 2 of what he wants to do. Now, imagine the remnant all over the world. Receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know I talked to you before about um, how, how the Bible gives us, I um, can't remember the word I used, but I uh, can't remember. Anyways, it's hard to say how big the remnant is, but I have a suspicion it's pretty small. If you look at the story of Gideon, we talked about this yesterday in the gifts meeting. Gideon started with 32,000 warriors. That's how many he had. God said, whoa, way too many. Way too many. There, there's 126,000, I think as it was, of, of the Syrians. Uh, way too many. Way too many. 
you know, 32,000, you guys could almost take credit for that. So they're way too many. You've got to get, get rid of them. And he took Gideon through a process of getting them. And, and basically, the first thing was, okay, everybody who's afraid, leave. 22,000 left. It was down to 10,000. And then he went through a process of whittling those down. You know the story. Gets them down to 300. That was the remnant. That 300 was the remnant. Do you know if you use that math, that is 0.09, I think it's 3.7. So if you take however many people are, are actually saved today in the bride, and you use that calculation, you have a very small group that walks in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Because just because you have the credentials of salvation does not mean that you walk in his power. Because you're on one side of the door. And it's the other side of the door that has his power. And by the way, this power will be accessed through unity of his bride. In this case, unity of the remnant. That's why... I just know he is bringing the remnant together right now. I see it all over the world. Everywhere I go, I see it. Everywhere I go, I meet him. He's doing things. Talk to some of the people that watch us consistently from other nations. They're feeling it. They recognize it. It's happening more and more. God is starting to bring them together. And what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit falls? It's going to be obvious who those people are. It's going to be obvious. It was obvious who Peter was as he walked and people would be healed. It's almost hard to fathom. It's hard to fathom in a church that, that is so hit by warfare. By the way, I know we're hit by warfare. I spoke with several last night. Well, spoke with them this morning that last night had incredible warfare. Lacey, who is going to be baptized today, she is still here with warfare. What she has fought in, in this intense headache for a couple of days. So you look at that and you say, oh man, clearly we're not through the door yet. But it's coming. It's coming. And that's what scares Satan. Because on the other side of the doorway, there isn't that capability of that battle. Not like it is right now. Because what happens is there is a world ripe for harvest. Do you know that that's what's going on? If you, if you watch the, the uh, news at all, you see that the world is becoming ripe for a Savior. Because the world is just about confusion. Just about hate. Just about division. And so it's ripe for that harvest. And so Jesus said that, I will make them come and bow at your feet. Now, if you get into the Greek there, it's actually really interesting. That word bow, I, I like to say respect. Okay, but that's actually not what the Greek says there. The, the Greek literally gives a picture 
of one who would kiss the feet of another. Now, that doesn't go over too well in, in today's you know, woke uh, place. So let me just use the word respect. How about respect to the core of your life? Because, see, the rest of the bride, or many at least, will recognize what they had offered to them that they missed. Now, there will be opportunity. There's always opportunity to grow in the Lord. There's always opportunity for relationship in the Lord. However, there is not always opportunity to walk through this door for the falling of His Holy Spirit in power. Please understand the Holy Spirit is not going to fall on the world. It's not going to fall on the entire bride. It's going to fall in the measure, and, and this is literally what the Lord said a few, maybe a week ago or a week and a half ago to us, literally going to fall on a person to the measure that their faith will allow it. That leaves a lot up to us, doesn't it? We have a place to play here, a role to play here. It's in faith. It's in believing. It's in trusting. Now let's, let's move on. So, th- so this is coming. And they will learn, these people will learn that he loves us. Then verse 10, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, that, that thing that he talked about, little, having little power walking in, in the, um, the trust and faith of what he's doing, even though there no, there's no real sign you know, to believe that necessarily. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Man, take that verse, write it down, paste it up on your mirror in your bathroom, quote it every day, claim it every day, hold on to it every day because it's going to be, become really real for you. It's going to become really real. Because what we're walking into, what we're stepping into is a war so heavy that many will die just from the fright of it. And yet those who are described here, his remnant, will be kept from it. How? How in the world? I mean, he's talked about the, the days of darkness that are, that are coming, which, by, by the way, I, I can't remember. How long ago did I say that? I mean, we could look at all the negative Facebook posts and probably figure it out. Uh, two years, three years? like that three years ago yeah guess what it's not come yet it came in the spirit it came that following monday in the spirit but everything in the spirit manifests it's coming don't think that it's not coming don't think that that there is the rapture coming before all this darkness is coming. No, God is readying His bride. His bride will be here until she is ready to receive Him. That darkness, I mean, open your eyes, guys. It's not hard to figure out that it's here in measure already, but it's coming. Look at what happens in the next six months. Look at what happens. And, and the Lord is talking very 
amazingly to the prophets. Telling them what is going on. I mean, we, we don't have to be afraid. Don't be surprised. We're going to be under a different governmental rule by the end of the year. Wow. I mean, think about that. Think about that. You can look at that like, wow, God, you could really make some changes in the next six months and, and bring Donald Trump back in the administration, or at least the good part of the administration. I mean, we could leave some back. You could look at it that way, or you could look at it this way. He was always there. And for almost two years, it's been stolen. Because that is the truth of what's happened. That's going to come out. That's going to produce this civil war, which will be put down quickly. Lord has told us this for a long time. This is, this is all coming. But, but in that turmoil, in the turmoil of civil war, and, it, and it's wild because we've had people that have had visions of, of, of military checkpoints out on I-95. I mean, hopefully we won't have to pay toll at that time too. I mean, we pay toll now. But if that's the you can imagine there's going to be a lot of oppression, right? So, so wait a second. How you, you couple that with what we talked about last week about creation rising up? Oh, my goodness. By the way, have you guys noticed in the news creation rising up? Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't, open your eyes, turn on your TV. See what's going on down in Kentucky, and I think, is it Missouri? Yeah. See what's going on. See what is going on with creation reacting to beginning to recognize the sons of God. The declaration last week was a big deal. It actually happened two Sundays ago. But it, it's not just the declaration that I made. It's I, I love... I love Rich told me, I think at the Gifts of Me, or it might have been the, that last Sunday or something, but he, he said, yeah, he said, I, I wrote down the declaration you gave and, and, and right at the end, you know, about creation and everything, and, and God told me just go out on my back deck and, and just declare it. And he did. Do you know it's about agreement in the unified bride? But what's coming is greater than what, what we've seen down in Kentucky and Missouri. What's coming just in creation alone on this earth as well as in the heavens is going to be devastating. So you look at that and you think, how in the world can I escape this? I mean, this, this is scary stuff. Lord said, don't be in fear. Because he just said in verse 10, I'll keep you from it. I used to think what that meant was before all that happens, he's going to come and he's going to, you know, have the rapture and take us all away and, you know, and, and then just unleash hell. No. That's not what he's going to do. He's going to do exactly what he did for Israel in the Exodus. Hell was unleashed on Egypt. And yet right there, right in proximity, Israel was in Goshen didn't experience it. They were safe. That's how he's going to do it with his remnant now. With those who would walk through that door and would believe. 
He's going to hold them from that. In fact, there's a reason for that. It's not that you're just escaping with your life and, oh, thank you, Lord. No, it is supposed to be seen. The world will see it. The bride who is not walking that through that door will see it. That's what brings verse 9 about. Because they'll recognize the relationship that you have with the Lord. You don't have to be afraid. I've gone, when I've gone to Nigeria, when I went to the Middle East, you can easily formulate in your mind how that could be scary. I remember, the, and I've shared this before, I won't share it again, but the, the time the Lord told me when I went to Nigeria, they're going to try and abduct you. So go by yourself. Okay, shouldn't I like go with an army or something? No, go by yourself because you'll be safe because I'm with you. And I did, and they did, and they failed. But do you see that fright could have stopped me from going and walking into God's will? If anything, it was a test for me. Am I willing to walk no matter what? And i got to tell you, the visions that I was having before that were like, Okay, you know, I, the only thing God did promise me is that I would live. I had these visions of them taking my eyes and whatever. And I, I said, Lord, they want my eyes. And he said, don't worry about it. If they take your eyes, I'll give you sight. And it'll be more than Satan can handle. So then I thought, well, yeah, that is how you work. When Satan takes away, he's a thief and he owes sevenfold and, and you supply. So Great. So I'm on this thing and I'm praying, Lord, take my eyes. Take my eyes. Take my eyes because I want to see. I want to see. I, 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 I don't want to use the word envious because that's not godly. But I'm in a godly, envious way of those who have the gift of sight. What an amazing gift. God, I want that gift. I don't, I don't care. I have a hard time brushing my teeth as it is because I shake so bad. So not having my eyes won't make it any worse. You, you should have seen me before I came up here. I, I, I put on this uh, aloe vera chapstick stuff. Boy, thank the Lord I'm not a girl and actually use color because it's more like this. Because I shake so bad. So I, I, I get half of it on my mustache. But... We're to walk in faith, no matter what, no matter the the trouble, because we're supposed to dwell in Goshen, and He will take care of us. As we step into these times, as as they start to put these mandates on us, which, by the way, they're going to, don't be surprised. Monkeypox, what in the heck is that? I don't know, COVID, what was that? Lock them down, lock them down. Let's all wear body masks, full body masks. You can't even, just saran wrap all the way around. It's going to be just required. Don't do it. We yielded to a point at the beginning as God led us to. We don't yield anymore. This church will never shut down. This church will never wear a mask. I mean, except for those who have bad breath. We'll offer you a mask at the door. No, but we, we, don't, we don't succumb to this government because it's not this government who's demanding it. It's Satan. 
It is Satan, and he is who we oppose. The government that we're under right now, please, please let me be clear so I could get all kinds of calls. We are not under this government. This is a fraudulent government. Everything that they produce that is outside of what our Constitution is, is fraudulent. Even what they're trying to do right now with the overturning the overturning of Roe v. Wade. You know, maybe through executive order or, or even, even if, and by the way, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Too many people in the bride are rising up now. Too many people are aware. Too many people are in relationship with Jesus Christ. They have moaned. They have groaned for too long. He's done with it. He's done with it. Doesn't mean they're not going to try. They're going to try. They're going to try the lockdowns. They're going to try all these things. It's not going to work. Because all it's going to do now is cause his remnant to rise up. Don't stand in fear. Recognize the power's just on the other side of that door. The power's just within reach. It's like Jesus standing there at the door with open arms saying, come on through. And that door is not the door to heaven like one day we get raptured or we die and go to heaven. That's not what that door is. That door literally is the, the door that the kingdom of heaven comes through to be here on this earth. So recognize with what is coming that there is protection. Don't be afraid. And it doesn't mean you won't be in a battle. It doesn't mean you won't be affected. I knew when I went to Nigeria, in fact, I thought for sure that they were going to be successful. And I thought for sure that there would be things go on, but that they could not take my life. That's, that's all I knew. I thought for sure. I, I just was so expecting it to happen. And if it did happen, and that was the Lord's will, you've got to be okay with that. You've got to be okay with what you're going to endure. When it's hot out, we're all hot. <laughs> when this country is in turmoil, you can't go hide your head in the sand and not recognize the turmoil. Even the turmoil of family, even the turmoil of friends, even the turmoil of other people that you see, that's got to affect your heart. You can't hide from it. We're going to go through pain. God never said, you will never have pain. No, He said, I will protect you from the trouble. Man, what if His protection is taking my eyes and then giving me a sight that Satan didn't want me to have? See, you've got to be okay with that. I mean, it's all about Him anyways, right? We have to be okay with that. Then in verse 11, he makes this declarative statement, I am coming soon. Then he starts to go into why. Why? Now, if relationship... If relationship with him was, was all it was, that'd be 
more than good enough. That'd be way more than good enough. Relationship with Him on this earth, no matter what we have to go through, would be worth it. But He goes on to say what's coming even more than that. He says in verse 11, I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Why? Because your crown is the authority in which you have earned. This is not because of salvation. A crown is something you earn. Now, it's not earned like we would think. You know, well, all these tasks that I do, that's, that's not how we earn a crown. He, he explained before how we earn a crown. We walk in faith. We walk in trust. We walk in relationship with Him and we receive a crown. He said, be careful, don't let them steal your crown. Let me, let me say it a different way. Be careful, don't let them steal your faith. Don't let them steal your walk with the Lord. What you go through, these battles that we go through, be strengthened in the Lord, be strengthened in the unity of the bride around you. Do not... Give up on that faith, but yet step even further into it because he says to the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. See, Jesus will be given a new name. And he will place that on those who receive this crown, who walk in that intimacy with him. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I want you to recognize, just in closing here, what he's promising. And I've said it before, if you think that every person who is saved, who has that golden ticket to heaven, who goes to heaven for all of eternity, if you think everyone's experience is the same, then you don't know the Word of God. Because that's not what the Word of God says. I encourage you to study it. I encourage you to understand, you know, there's the thousand-year reign, but then there's the eternal reign in Revelation 21, the eternal reign where God literally comes down. You see the new Jerusalem descend down onto a new creation, a, a new, new heaven, new earth, but it is this globe to be with man. That new Jerusalem, by the way, is what we call heaven now. That will become the center point of the universe, or it, it is the center point of the universe, but it will literally come down to dwell with man because that's where God's throne is. That's where, if, it, if you look at Revelation 21, and I know I keep referring to it, just, just uh, you know what, go to Revelation 21. Sorry. I'm just going to read a couple of things here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. And th- by the way, this is after the great white throne judgment. This is after Satan is cast. And, and you know, uh, all, of, all of hell then is, you know, Satan's put in the, into hell. All the principalities and all those who did not accept uh, Jesus are put into hell. And then hell is cast into the outer darkness, right? So this is after that. 
Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. And, and the, the holy city is, is the, the indicator of what it is now. It is heaven where God dwells now. Coming down from out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, I find it interesting there because who is the temple? We are. We're the temple, right? That's what Jesus said. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Then it goes into an explanation of what this new Jerusalem is. But I want you to go down to verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its lamp, now get this, get this. Remember, remember what I said, that not all of our places will be the same. Those who have that golden ticket to heaven, who, who go to heaven, will not, all, will not all have the same experience. Because there will be nations. There will be kings. There will be governmental structures. After all of this, that's what it says here, verse 24. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In other words, they will bring their tithes. They will bring the sum of their fruits. Verse 25, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night. In other words, they will never close. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So recognize that in this temple, and, and we read, uh, what we read in the first part of 21, now go back to Revelation 3. And let me read this again. To the one who conquers, verse 12, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write, his, write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the New Jerusalem. What he's saying here is those, there are those, there are those who have built relationship with him who literally walk in the faith that he has commanded us to walk in. Not just obeyed the rules, but walked in the faith. Walked in, the, in believing the impossible. There are those that will do that, that will be given the right to dwell in the new Jerusalem for all of eternity. Now, why is that a big deal? Because of proximity. Proximity to Jesus Christ. Proximity. Why, why would it matter if you're there or if you're with one of those nations who has a king? 
you know, I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't go into that much detail about it. What I can tell you is it's different. It's different, and there's a particular promise to those who do walk through that door, who do offer that faith, that faith that doesn't make any sense. But it's God. And that is an internal promise. Not just for here. Man, get your eyes off of this life. This life is it's for Him. Everything we do is for Him. Now, not that He doesn't provide in this life, because He does. That's how He builds relationship with us. We, we test that faith by walking in faith, and He provides. But I just, I want to encourage you with the things coming. Don't be afraid. Don't fall back on the faith that God has placed in your relationship with Him. In fact, grow it. Grow it. Believe what He's doing. Recognize what He's doing. Don't believe what you see around you. Recognize His hand in what He's doing. Because He wants to use you. He wants to use His remnant to make a difference to those who don't know. We have a calling, guys. We have a calling that, that we can't ignore because we're just in this world. We have a calling because we're in this world. And I know, I know there are many people here where, and, and many people online where the Lord is tugging on your heart and saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to believe. I have this pathway for you that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because from what you can see in your vantage point, you look and you think, there's no provision. There's no protection. And he says, I want you to trust me because the provision and the protection is in him. Let's come on up. Before we close in prayer this afternoon, um, I just want to make sure that you understand that when... Um, when he says be okay with it in some of the warfare that comes and some of the things we have to go through, that doesn't mean you don't fight. The Lord himself even told Greg to be daily breaking curses over his eyes um, because of wondering how to deal with what he knew the enemy wanted to take. And God does provide that. Uh, Paul himself is the one who wrote about the weapons of our warfare and the breaking of strongholds and the armor of God. And so it doesn't mean we lay down. It's just really the being okay is that trust. Paul, of all people, was told how much he would suffer. So we know that in this world we'll have tribulation. And the being okay with it is the accepting that God has got us through whatever that we feel um, that is a discomfort to our flesh. But knowing that it has such a great kingdom significance. Wow, this is um, such an important reminder. And I... Um, I always get excited when I think about that door because I really do see Jesus and his arms open. He said that in a word to us um, not too terribly long ago. He said, my arms are open to those who will receive me, but those who will not will be pray. I believe it was pray for the lion's mouths. And so by one's own choice, they will suffer and be devoured by the turmoil that we are both in and that is increasing. 
He, he always makes a way to escape the temptation that comes upon us, even the temptation to fear and to be overwhelmed. So he is faithful, and he is there for us. So let's pray. Father, thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for laying out for us in your word that we have such a great reward when we just seek you and trust you. Father, I I thank you even for what you are doing now, proving out this, this faith that it's not, that it wouldn't be faith without works and become a dead faith. Oh, God, it just, how it must break your heart that there are so many unbelieving believers who will cling to their ticket but reject all the things that come with that really entry point of of salvation and the rest um, deny because it maybe is outside of a uh, a religious norm, a pressure, an upbringing, um, just things that that have been the systems of man that have been put in place to deceive when you are a real living, breathing, awesome God that wants relationship with us in real time, conversational communication with us, always, always bringing us to your word, which is the foundation of how you speak. But God, I, I just, I just pray that we would truly step through that door, that we would unentangle ourselves with the things of this life that uh, are tying us down into a, a place that really binds us, that we're not, even, we're not even aware of the very things we cling to hold us captive. And you came, Jesus, to set us free from the things that we, our flesh actually desires. So, God, I just thank you. I thank you for your love. Every time you have given me discipline, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, God, it is always, even when painful, it has always been because you are good and do only good, and you work all things together for good to those that love you and are called according to your purposes. Thank you for that. Very familiar verse, but it gets lost on us in the warfare and in the daily struggles. So I thank you, God. I praise you for that, Lord. Thank you that you are our constant victory. And I just pray that you would wake up your people, God. And I give my agreement with whatever it takes to awaken the sleepers that are declaring they love you and trust you. But, but live as though they are rejecting much of you. And so, God, only you can bring that into alignment and bring the, the truth of the declaration um, and expose the lies of the declarations. So, Father, I just, um, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your voice. I thank you that you are so real. And I pray you drive this word from you, God, into our hearts today. Because words create, they transform when they are from you, God continue to complete the work you've started in us. Don't, don't ever let up. Thank you for that beautiful worship song. You won't relent until you have it all. God, I thank you for that. We want to give you our all, Lord. And sometimes we don't even know what it takes to give you our all. So keep working on us, God. And um, as you did say, you will come to the degree with which we make room for you. So, God, we want to make room for you to completely 
take us over, um, that we might be lights in this dark and unhopeless world in turmoil because you are so good and you are ready to receive those who will trust you. We love you and praise you, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.